Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Presslaff. I'm Ireland Meacham. And I'm Justin Robertson. And today we have uh, Jen Bass, the project director of marriage. I don't know. How did I mess that how up? How many times? How many times? <laughs> I totally <laughs> messed That's a up. fish, Frankie. I know. <laughs> Bass. Hello, Ms. Bass. You have a new name. Who's <laughs> 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 the project director? I did that every time. Yeah. God, okay. You can, you can kick me really hard in the kneecap. You got it. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I'll just shut up. <laughs> um, she's the project director for Marriage Equality Stories from the Heartland, and with her we have uh, Judy Epp and Lucy Matthew, who's going to be here talking about their story. So that's an awesome episode of um, Heartland that uh, we're all looking forward at the, um, I guess at the 620, we're going to try to hit for that. But uh, I'm, I'm a little rusty right now. I haven't uh, been on the mic. You haven't been here for <laughs> so a few weeks. So that's why I can't read you. last names we as have. simple as. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, I've been busy. Um, <laughs> just uh, running around with the kids. I always say that. And just uh, some, I can't really talk about it on the radio, but just some life changes on the positive side of things. So it's just um, I'm kind of wearing lots of different hats now. Well, we're so proud of you. Yeah, well, thank you. Is it all good, Frankie? <laughs> it is all good. It is all good. <laughs> That's good. So, you yeah. can't talk about it on the radio. It sounds like it's something <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it's my, uh, my, my superhero stuff I can't talk go. about. Um, <laughs> how about you, Ireland? I'm good. I'm just, uh, it, I feel like I'm in the middle of a marathon right now trying to finish the semester, but um, I'm getting through it, and it's almost over. I can see the finish lines. So yeah, <laughs> so I'm excited good. for summer. It's yeah. almost over, yeah. Are you going to be here for summer? Mm-hmm. I'll be oh, around. Good. I'm sticking around. Are you sticking with us? Yes. Good. <laughs> oh, you are? Yes. Okay, well, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've just made news. <laughs> we just heard. Okay, well, good. Now it's on air, and now we can mm-hmm. hold you. Yeah, yeah. Confirmed. Okay. So I, I can feel better. So I have somebody to edit my stuff. <laughs> Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very happy that Ireland is going to be with us this summer. It seems like, I mean, I love Bloomington, but every summer you lose so many people. And mm-hmm. it's always like, yeah. no. Perks of me being a townie, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. You're a townie, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm a townie, and Frankie's a townie. So we're, we're all townies. from here. So yeah, That's weird. How does Isn't that it? happen? It's kind of, uh, yeah, it doesn't usually, I mean. Well, Melanie, is she official? She's kind of. No, she's from Chicago. So she's not a townie. No. So. <laughs> There we go. And how about you, An John? honorary townie. I'm, I don't know. I've been here 35 years. Yeah. Uh, that makes I'm you. not a townie. You're not a townie. <laughs> I know. It's just like, when, when do you get to be a Hoosier? <laughs> right. When you die and you do something good, uh, then right. they'll call you a Hoosier. That's how, <laughs> that's how it works. So um, anything going on with you and your world? Well, I'm really excited about some of the podcasts we have coming up. Yeah. And um, I'm really excited about this one that we just finished with Judy and Lucy. And you'll be hearing about that a little we bit later. We can't wait to hear it. 
So that's cool. So we'll, we'll get back over there soon. So, But what's going on in the news, Justin? Okay. Well, from LGBTQ Nation, we have uh, Nevada lawmakers have moved to ban so-called gay and trans panic defenses from being used to re-victimize LGBTQ plus people who have been assaulted and or murdered. Senate Bill 97 prohibits use in a criminal case of certain defenses based on the sexual orientation or gender identity or expression of the victim. The bill, introduced in January, passed the Nevada State Senate on the 16th on a vote of 9 to 2, with Republicans Ira Hansen and Pete Goykachia voting against the bill. A gay or trans panic defense is one in which the perpetrator of a crime states that they had a moment of impaired judgment after they faced an unwanted sexual advancement from someone of their same gender or after discovering that someone may have been sexually attracted to, that someone, that somebody has been sexually attracted to is transgender. These defenses, in spite of a growing movement against them, remain legal in most states and are regularly used by defendants in anti-LGBTQ plus assaults and murders. Currently, only three other states have similar laws against such defenses on the books. California, Illinois, and Rhode Island, with several other states considering legislation similar to SB 97. Perhaps the best-known case to use the gay panic defense is that of Matthew Shepard in Laramie, Wyoming. The defense team of Aaron McKinney, who, along with Russell Henderson, was convicted of the murder, had made claims that he had intended to rob Shepard, but killed the 21-year-old after Shepard made a pass at McKinney. California banned the practice after the 2002 murder of transgender teenager Gwen Amber Rose Araujo, who was brutally beaten and murdered by a group of boys in Newark, California. The boys claim they had instigated the attack after it was revealed that Araujo was transgender. Williams Institute's Brad Sears said to the Nevada Current, it's really targeting gay men and secondly transgender women. Year after year for the last four years, we've had a record number of transgender women of color who have been murdered. The value of this bill is for the state to take a stand against the epidemic of violence and to say the state protects LGBTQ people. The Williams Institute helped develop SB 97. The bill is also supported by a wide variety of LGBTQ and anti-violence advo advocacy groups. Yeah, honestly, I was really surprised reading this that um, this is still an, uh, I didn't even know that there you know that this was a defense that was that is still used in courts today and i and it just is shocking to me that there are only three states that have laws prohibiting that you know at this point terribly um, shocking yeah i didn't even know I about know any of this so it's good to spread awareness about this kind of thing so i have an idea those states that still allow it as a defense we should um promote a male panic defense any mm -hmm. woman who's advanced on by a man mm -hmm. doesn't like it <laughs> <laughs> yes. <it> <laughs> I mean, seriously, men kill women right. at unprecedented rates mm -hmm. because they um, don't, um, they rebuff their advances. So mm -hmm. that's, I've been panicked many a time. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, you know, again, how slow 
things uh, move and how backwards we can be as a uh, as a culture mm -hmm. um, when it comes to this that we can actually ha be having a discuss discussion mm -hmm. and that people should be okay you know because with somebody killing somebody or hurting mm -hmm. someone because they might find them attractive or say mm -hmm. something that you know isn't necessarily provocative you know hey I like you or you're cute or you're nice or whatever and I mean you know you don't get to do that right. that's just common sense and it is true that there has been a record this past year there's been a record number of um transgender women of color uh assaulted and murdered and you know this is i mean this is a positive thing that that people are doing you know a lot of people are like well what do we do about that bills like this will help you know right. even right. in even marginally but mm -hmm. it, it helps yes i mean the conversations yeah i mean that's what we just got to keep hap happening um, it's just we got to keep just talking and mm -hmm. educating people. I mean, here we are, not necessarily ex experts on on this, but uh, you know, two of you didn't know that this existed, right. and you know, it's it's out there. So, okay, well, Justin, what else do we have? Well, also from LGBTQ Nation, we have a story about a transgender student who has lost his military scholarship because of his gender identity. Map Pascara is a first-year student at the University of Texas at Austin, and he was awarded a Reserve Officer's Training Corps scholarship to pay for three years of school. Pascara, though, has already started his transition, and under the transgender military ban, which started last week, he will not be able to serve in the military. So the Department of Defense took away his scholarship. Lieutenant Colonel Matthew O'Neill, the ROTC chair at the University of Texas, tried to save Pascara's scholarship, the student said. O'Neill argued that Pascara should be exempt from the policy because his scholarship was awarded before the transgender military ban went into effect. This didn't work. Pascara told the Daily Texan, quote, unfortunately, this policy is so new, waivers and exceptions haven't been determined. He added that O'Neill wasn't able to salvage it, but the fact that he tried is more than I can ask for. Under the transgender military ban, non-exempt service members who have been diagnosed with gender dysphoria and who have had any gender-affirming medical treatment are categorically excluded from the military. Pascara said that he has a diagnosis for gender dysphoria and, quote, top surgery, hormone replacement therapy, gender marker, and name change, unquote. He said, I'd automatically be discriminated. I really do see the transgender military ban as a waste of resources, money, time, and personnel. It's made figuring out my future education so much harder. The student said that he didn't know if he was going to be able to pay for college now. He has started a GoFundMe, hoping to raise $20,000 to pay for his sophomore year in TV, radio, and film studies. He has raised over $8,000 so far. Yeah, I mean, bills, you know, or when when the president passes something like the transgender military ban, it doesn't just affect like ex like um, directly what it's like it's supposed to affect it. You know, there's that butterfly effect where it, it you know, now this this person is not going to be able to go to college because of this ban, um, which is a right that if you know that everyone should be entitled to. Unfortunately, America, we we don't all get that um right but um yeah i just i don't know the thing is that we did get that yeah and then you know this is something that was you know taken away mm -hmm. um 
So it's stripping this person's right to education and basic, like, human, you know, needs to, because of um, his gender identity, which is extremely disappointing. And he also had the scholarship before the ban went into effect. Right. I mean, I don't even see how that would be legal. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, uh, you know, that his his lawyer tried, but I guess, you know, that. Right, like you, you said, like waivers and exceptions haven't been determined yet since it's so new, and right. so there's so many loopholes right. that they. Well, they're going to just force them into kind of a, a holding pattern right. where it's just going to, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to be sitting there for possibly years before anything happens if he doesn't, you know, start his education or decide on what he wants to do. Right, and you know, it's so demeaning to you know to, again to we were in a position where it didn't matter mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. then and and the military basically didn't back what trump was saying and right. saying that you know it, it didn't cause all the 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 hardship to the military as as trump has said and basically lied about and then um you know here we go so right uh, you know, again, this is we got to just kind of keep fighting and educating ourselves and, and, and being aware and, and, and vote. You know, this this is a, a situation where we have, uh, you know, individuals at the top that, you know, aren't necessarily uh, care about, you know, all of American citizens. Mm-hmm. So this will you know, I, I don't believe this is the end. I think, you know, we've made a lot of progress. Things are, are happening. There are a lot of positive things happening that people are becoming more active in um, running for political positions and, and people are becoming more comfortable about being outspoken mm-hmm. about certain issues. So, you know, we just got to continue to fight hard and, uh, you know, and, and not let this, uh, you know, fall off to the wayside. Mm-hmm. So what do you have, Ireland, to bring to the table? <laughs> well, we've got one more news story, also sourced from LGBTQ Nation. Uh, Pete Buttigieg has finally made it official. He's running for president. You'd be forgiven if you uh, thought he already was, but <laughs> up until Sunday, Buttigieg was merely in an exploratory phase. However, Buttigieg's campaign faces some real obstacles. Buttigieg is expected to do well in campaign debates, but that's just one part of the campaign. These hurdles can be overcome, and Buttigieg has shown an almost prenat- uh, preternatural ability to turn what looks like a shortcoming into an asset. But here are the five, some of some hurdles, five of the hurdles that Buttigieg is going to have to clear in order to become the Democratic presiden- presidential nominee. The first is to make a strong showing in early races. Past presidential races are littered with the bodies of candidates who faltered in the earliest races, Iowa and New Hampshire. Whether these early uh, states could carry so much weight is a separate argument, but the fact remains that the results uh, there start to winnow the field. Buttigieg needs to do well in those early races, perhaps not an outright win, but strong enough to show that voters look at a 37-year-old gay mayor and see a potential president. The second is to build a campaign (coughs) infrastructure. Winning means having an experienced political operatives uh, working for you, a field staff in key states to turn out the vote, and a well-developed campaign plan that everyone executes on. Buttigieg started out with none of these things. As a former McKinsey consultant, Buttigieg no doubt knows the importance of having a detailed plan, and he will have to start hiring experienced people soon so he can execute that plan. The third is to keep up the fundraising. Buttigieg's momentum has resulted in some real money, $7 million in the first quarter. While that amount isn't in the same league as Bernie Sanders or even Beto O'Rourke, it is impressive for someone who started his campaign as a long shot. However, Buttigieg is going to have to keep raising money at this clip or do even better if he's to have staying power as a candidate. 
The fourth is to start getting specific. One of the raps on Buttigieg is that he talks a great game, but he's short on the policy specifics. While Elizabeth Warren has been releasing detailed policy papers outlining not just what she would do as a president, but how she would accomplish it, by contrast, Buttigieg has come out come out for general concepts, but he has been pretty vague about the details. He supports Medicare for all who want it, but he hasn't exactly detailed how that would work. And that will have to change as the campaign goes along, particularly as the spotlight shifts to the differences among the candidates. The fifth is to withstand the negative coverage. So far, Buttigieg has been writing on a sea of positive coverage. He's also had the advantage of defining who he is without others doing it for him but that's not going to last forever. The media is only now starting to take a deep dive into his past. He has gotten some criticism from the black community in South Bend over the way he's handled urban renewal, and his recent gaffe about All Lives Matter didn't help. We also still haven't heard much about what he's done at McKinsey or about his military service in Afghanistan. Then there's his father, who is a Marxist, which will be the object of endless fear-mongering by the right. No doubt the Wonder Boy image will take some hits. The test of Buttigieg's candidacy will be how he will be able to handle them. So. But isn't it fun for now? (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) I love this honeymoon phase. Right. I mean, did everybody watch him on Sunday? Mm, I did. That was so emotional. I mean, even my little millennial Ian was crying. And at (laughs) first he was like, oh, I'm not interested in this, blah, 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 blah. But just, it was so great. I just thought he did a really wonderful yeah, speech. Yeah, he's, he's a remarkable person. I had an opportunity to have uh, a long conversation with him about five years ago or so. And, uh, you know, this is, and I've said this before on this show, before, you know, he was basically Joe Mayer at that part time. Um, Pete Mayer. Pete Mayer. Yeah, <laughs> Pete. <laughs> Pete Mayer. <laughs> um, but, you know, as he was... Um, moving you know just to listen to him he just had um just so much heart and that's the thing that you know attracted Uh me to him and that he cares um so hopefully that you know this will be um you know that i mean it's it's a long shot i mean it really is a long shot for him to go but you know heck look at trump Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> no one ever yeah, believed no in kidding. a million years <laughs> right? Yeah. that that was ever going to happen. And I think, you know, he does have this charisma and energy he and does. he's articulate and he's has just all these wonderful qualities that, that go. Yeah. But, yes, they haven't – they're starting to attack him, especially the, the, the Christian right. Are, are he's done such a good job. I mean, he was just in Iowa. He was expecting 50 people to show up. I think 1,600 came. Yeah. And then there was this this man – you know, insulting him and talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and stuff. And Pete was very funny about it. Right. Which know? he's going to have to be. Yes, and he knows that. Right. I think he's prepared. Right. He's he's not going to. He's very well-spoken, very thoughtful about what he says. And um, even the issue of not having um, detailed plans, he addressed that on Rachel Maddow mm-hmm. and said, you can have these plans, but really – you can say this is how you're going to implement it but until you're actually there and dealing with the other people you can't that's not going to work Mm -hmm. so he even has an answer for that and why his plans aren't as detailed Mm -hmm. so right but yeah and he's going to have to jump on that because i've heard that from you know people that really want to support him that he needs to be a little more concrete and it's Mm -hmm. time that he he kind of starts hammering things out because that's where people are going to really pick on him. It's right. like, okay, he's all of that, but what's he bringing to the table? And I've heard some of my more um, – some of my friends that I thought would, you know, 
support him no matter what mm. being kind of harsh on him about some of the things that uh you know because he he, he just hasn't nailed it down mm-hmm. um so it'll well, see he's also only just announced his campaign officially right. so yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> not even a week we'll get ago some, right, right right so yeah. hopefully we'll get some more right. concrete i know one information. um you know uh, the military his military you know thoughts uh, i i know that kind of the left has kind of been a little upset with with how hmm. he's uh, applied that too, so yeah, he has, he, and that's what they're going to capture at, and you know, kind of focus in on. So, you know, yeah, he needs to kind of move along and, 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 and get that going. But he, all that said, he's awesome. And I have confidence. And if nothing yeah. else, it's representation. You yes. Know? Yes. So, so I just I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I know you're serious. <laughs> <laughs> I know who I'm sitting by. <laughs> Um, should by now. That's right. Hey, let's uh, take a uh, music break and do a community uh, minutes, and then uh, we'll be right back. Takes some starts and stops to hold a paradox. All that's boundless and forever with an ever-ticking clock. I am every lonely ache and all the times I knew to wait. I am all that I did right and I am every bad mistake It is love that breaks your heart Love that tears the world apart Always love that makes it worth it in the end It's always love, it's always love again I don't know what to say There are no words anyway Some things are wider than words That only echo and fade There are sentences and songs The ones I've always carried on That I can sing while I am here And you can sing when I am gone It is love that breaks your heart Love that tears the world apart Always love that makes it worth it in the end It's always love, it's always love again It's old and then it's new Luminous and true The best that we can love that we can do I keep trying to understand and to hold it in both hands how to know what can't be done and still envision all that can I am everything I've found and I am everything I've lost I am all that I've been given and I'm everything it cost It is love that breaks your heart Love that tears the world apart Always love that makes it worth it in the end It's always love, it's always love again
we're going to go ahead and take our community update from our WFHB community calendar. So this week in Bloomington, we have a couple of events. Well, we have lots of events, um, but here's some specifically for our show. On April 19th, that's tomorrow, Friday, at 10 a.m., we have the LGBT Aging and Caring Network Breakfast at Cloverleaf South, 325 East Winslow Road in Bloomington. Um, our two breakfasts are always the first Wednesday and third Friday of the month at 10 a.m. We meet at the Cloverleaf South Restaurant at Winslow at Henderson behind the IU Credit Union in a shopping center that also has Avers Pizza and hardware store. Anywhere from 12 to 25, uh, anywhere from 12 to 25 of us sit at a one long table. They just add more chairs and tables as our group grows. Um, again, that's the LGBT Aging and Caring Network breakfast tomorrow at 10 a.m. And then on the 24th, we have Envy's Open Stage, Bloomington's only gender-based performance open mic at the back door, 207 South College Avenue. This is an event on the 24th from 11 until 1 a.m. Um, sign up at 10 and the show is at 11. We'll be right back with Blooming Out. Welcome back. Um, actually, we're going to throw it back to the engineer. We're going to start with, uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't have my scripture set and we had a little malfunction. So we're going to start with the stories from the heartland. Um, so I'm going to throw it back to Lucas. If not now, tell me when. If not Welcome to Just Married, stories of love and citizenship in the decade of marriage equality. I'm Jennifer Bass. Judy Up was just out of high school when she settled down with her first girlfriend, Phyllis. It was the late 1960s in Indianapolis, Indiana. Phyllis was 10 years older than Judy and had two children. They led a secret life, even secret from the children they were raising. We were so fearful that if we talked openly to them and they talked to somebody else and then here comes somebody to snatch the children away. It was a very, very real fear at the time. And we all could have lost our jobs. Phyllis died when Judy was just 26. The children were 18 and the family dissolved. In steps Beverly. And Beverly and I had already known each other. In fact, we had run in the same circles, the four of us, she and her girlfriend and, and me and my um, partner, wife at the time, ran around together. Beverly and her girlfriend broke up, and so it was just kind of a natural progression we got together. Judy and Bev made a life for themselves, eventually retiring and moving to their lake cottage in Spencer, Indiana. They traveled, raised a handful of dogs, and kept a low profile in their small-town community. But then everything changed, at least for Judy. 
we were in the living room watching TV, and there was a report about Hawaii, and um, the organization or the people or whoever had asked to get married, and they were denied. And um, I remember distinctly looking at Beverly and saying, you know, I never thought we would get married. I never would have been the one to ask, could we get married? But now that somebody asked and they were denied, it's really pissing me off. (laughs) We're going to have to get married. So, and I'm going to have to work to make this a reality. And so she's like, okay, fine. I chose Canada because at the time there were a few states where you could get married, but not many. And some of them had restrictions like you get your license one day and you wait two days and you get married and so on. And I had a a theory, a feeling, which didn't turn out to be the case, but I thought maybe if we get married in another country, we would be accepted quicker than if we got married in one state. Canada, interestingly enough, we went to Niagara Falls, and you can get married the same day you get your license, but if you want to get divorced, you have to live there for a year. I thought, okay, this is good. (laughs) We're good with this because we got married to celebrate our 30-year anniversary. So, yeah, we don't have to live in Canada. In January, they celebrated their wedding at the Unitarian Church, surrounded by their kin and their chosen Spencer Pride family. Judy wore a red strapless dress. Bev wore black jeans, a black wool jacket, a white shirt, red vest, and black cowboy boots. They vowed to love and care for each other, as they had for 30 years, till death do us part. At the time of the ceremony, when when you're pronounced legal, there's just something about that, and it's really hard to describe, but you can be anywhere in the world and tell people you're married, and everybody knows what that means. It, you're married, you're married, everywhere, all over the world. I remember when I first started years ago, digressing a little bit, I started with a new nail technician, and we were having conversation, and I said something about my partner before we were married, of course, and she asked me what business we were in. So therein lies the problem. (laughs) Well, the business of love, actually, but um, she was a little embarrassed because that is what I said. Um, but, But I don't have to, I didn't have to say that after we got married. After the wedding, Judy dove into political work around marriage equality and helping to develop the Spencer Pride organization. Beverly stayed out of the fray. She was not a joiner. She was not an activist. She was a stay-at-home with the animals. Ten years after she and Judy were married, Beverly died in their home in Spencer. Judy was heartbroken as she said, No one will ever love me like that again. But wait, that's not the end of the story. Life deals you things, and you have to make do with what happens and go forward. Enter Lucy, a wave of fresh northern wind blowing down through Canada. Her partner Susan died just three months after Beverly, and she, like Judy, sought comfort and support through a gay widow's website. They were part of an online community helping each other deal with grief and loss, like only those who are going through it can do. 
she had posted something on the list, uh, the, the widower's list, and I thought, oh, she's really hurting. Yeah. It came through, and I hit the, the thing to, to call her, and she answered. And I said, how you doing? And I, I read the post, are you, are you doing all right? No. And, and she said, I don't know. I said, we'd like to talk about it. She goes, mm, she's not really wanting, I don't feel like really talking. And she talked for like two hours. <laughs> we did wind up talking, 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 talking. I let her unload. So we talked off and on. And I was on the road. The condo was sold, went on the road into the States. My journey, my own trail of tears. So Lucy was going back to Canada. Yes. And on her way, she said, I'd like to come through Indiana and have dinner and, and meet in person. And I said, okay, that's fine. So she came through Indiana. We met up in at a truck stop in Indy and then went to a restaurant and had dinner and was just a friendly meeting. And yeah. that was in May. 23rd. The memory is incredible. So then in October, Spencer Pride went to a um, conference in um, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And my geography skills are nil. And so I knew Lucy was in Canada somewhere. <laughs> so she I said, said, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods. And I said, you're going to be in New Brunswick? She said, no, but Saskatchewan, I said, that's like 1,800 miles from here. So by the time she came there, we kind of knew something was going to happen. Yes. <laughs> I'm a goner. If this goes good, I am so gone. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was thinking no such thing. <laughs> it's like, keep over there. I said repeatedly after Beverly died, I couldn't imagine ever being with anybody else 40 years. So this just kind of happened, which is the best way anyway. And I wasn't looking either. Lucy was a goner, and Judy was open to letting her into her life. When we first started moving from friends to this might be turning into something, she said, you know, if this is going to work, we have to talk about everything. <laughs> yes. Crap. <laughs> so... We proceeded to talk about everything. So I heard all these stories of her young life. and, and Which she, I, I asked if it was all right or right. It bothered her. She said, no, 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 go ahead. So, I loved hearing the stories about her childhood and her young adulthood. For one thing, because it was so joyful. She had such a good childhood and a happy family and, and such a good time as a young lesbian. And so I was almost kind of vicariously reliving my childhood through her. Her first visit to Spencer meant the Inquisition, a test of Lucy's intentions and worthiness among Judy's chosen family in Spencer. She sailed through it. On Christmas Day, they announced their engagement from a condo in Key West. The wedding's in March in Spencer. So Lucy will wear a button with Beverly's picture on it, and I'll wear a button with Susan's picture on it, which was her late wife. So when I'm looking at Lucy, I'll be looking at Beverly, and she'll be looking at Susan when she's looking at me, because to us, they are part of this relationship. I had 40 years with Beverly. She had 17 with Susan. There's not much we can talk about in our past that doesn't include them. 
So they're part of our relationship. And actually, we met on a widow's Facebook page, a gay widow's Facebook page. So we wouldn't even know each other if it hadn't been for them. Judy just, she, she is actually my twin flame. Susan was my life soulmate, but Judy is my twin flame, and there's a difference. I, I'm sure I remember telling you and seeing it, nobody will ever love me like that again. And that's not true, because Lucy does love me like that. Support for Just Married comes from the Indiana University's Department of Gender Studies, the Office for Vice President for Research New Frontiers Program, and the IU Bloomington Arts and Humanities Council. WFHB's Blooming Out is our podcast host. Thanks to Tarek Warner, IU Radio Innovations Class, Carrie Newcomer, and to the Blue Note Sessions. Listen to Just Married podcasts on wfhb.org slash just dash married or find us on Facebook at Marriage Equality Heartland. Welcome back to Blooming Out. Um, does everybody have their tissues out there in Radio Land? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> That's why Justin I carry a bag. Literally is wiping. <laughs> we're all a mess in the studio yeah, right now. We are. So we're back with stories from the heartland with Judy and Lucy. And what a story. That was just beautiful. Uh, it was. Well, just to put in perspective, you know, Judy and I spoke a year and a half ago for the first time. Yeah. Right. Before she even knew Lucy, or two years yeah. ago. Yeah, wow. And uh, so we had just talked about the first day, you know, parts one and two. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. and then I, you know, we're friends on Facebook, and I started <laughs> seeing <laughs> all, all these pop ups. Yeah, it was interesting over <laughs> here at the radio sh- station as well. As, yeah, uh, we've kind uh, of Judy, uh, you know, kind of give us like little, like, this is happening. Now I'm not getting married. Right. I'm not getting married. <laughs> it's not happening. Now we're going to, she's going to live there. I'm going to live here. We'll visit each other. <laughs> and, and we were that just, was the plan. <laughs> that was the plan. And then, boom, the right. boulders start falling. Right. But right. they all landed yeah. perfect. Yeah. So yeah. this is a they good do. story. So here we are now. So what, what are we? What are we thinking? <laughs> it's a great ride. Yeah, yeah. So you, the families have met, right? Didn't we? Uh, yeah. Well, um, I don't have family. I don't have blood family, right, right. but um, my heart family have all. Uh, she's been through uh, three. Inquisitions, four, <laughs> four. Um, yeah, the first one there were uh, one, two, three, four, five uh, people there, and uh-huh. um, three um, simultaneously asked her, "What are your intentions?" <laughs> and um, the other one, other one, told her they had checked her out on, uh, <laughs> did the background check on her, yeah. and. Um, <laughs> And another one said to me before this, when I just told her I was seeing her and it was really a girlfriend, she said, well, as long as she's not a serial killer. (laughs) Then she decided, well, even if she's just a single killer, we don't want her. (laughs) She doesn't have to be serial. (laughs) Those are high standards. You you had some advocates too, Lucy, right? Like a six-year-old advocate really wanted you. Wanted you in the picture, right? Yes, he, he met me in Sask- Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. The grandbaby. Yes. <laughs> and he, well, yes. tell the story. 
So um, he met in, in Saskatoon while I told him uh, I wanted to be the one to tell him. I said, Grandma has a girlfriend. He looked up from what he was doing sideways at me and said, really? <laughs> like, who, who are you and how old are you really? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then he met her and um, then I was out of the room. I came back in the room and he said, so where's your wife? Wait, no, no wife, no wife. It's a girlfriend. So that was an opportunity for his dads to explain the difference between dating, living together, being married, and so on. So fast forward to December, and that was in October. In December, I was home, and he was spending the night with me and told me that he thought that um, I should marry. Lucy and I should get married. <laughs> Out of the blue. <clears throat> well, he had tried to get me married before, shortly after Beverly died. He thought mm -hmm. I should get married because I needed help. But he, he was five know, at the time, right? He was five at the time, <laughs> yes. And he thought I should marry a boy because they're more fun. But if I insisted on marrying a girl, where would we find one? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, honey. We'll just keep our eyes open. So then once I found one, he was all over it. So he said, uh, you should get married. I said, why do you think I should marry Lucy? Because you're a good couple. Then I'm on the phone to her, and he's still there. And he said, tell Lucy. I said, wait, you can tell her. So I put her on speaker, which his daddy's told me after, don't ever do that until you know what he's going to say first. So I put her on speaker, and he said, Lucy, I think you should marry my grandma. And she said, why do you think that? Because you're perfect together. Now the mouth of babes. So yes, many, many of my friends, all of my friends have told me repeatedly, it's so nice to see me smile again. It's so nice for me to be happy again. And and I thought I was smiling, but apparently they saw something I didn't think they saw. And uh, I'm I'm sure, I know, that he felt that. He couldn't articulate it, but he felt that. And sadness. And yeah. Yes, yes, he felt that. So uh, whose idea was it with the buttons? That's, I love that. Yes. Lucy's the idea person. Speak. Lucy's yeah. raising her hand, but you got to talk. It's radio. Well, because, well, <laughs> yes, uh, because they are the reason that we met, and for the reasons that she said that we can't really speak about our past without them because they're they're there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said, "What do you think about having having buttons on our uh, the flowers so that you know you, you could see Beverly and I could see Susan and they could just be there for right the the four of us there. Right. Of course, they in spirit. Mm -hmm. And she said. That sounds like a wonderful idea. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so when you were actually doing your vows and, you know, you were looking mm -hmm. back at your both of your your loves of your lives, um, mm -hmm. that must have just, I, I don't know how you would have got through. <laughs> it just seems like the emotions of... Yeah, it wasn't easy. I'm not a crier, um, typically. I didn't cry, but it was very emotional. Most of the other people did. Um Jonathan did a fabulous job with the ceremony, too, and that was real And Jonathan is who? Jonathan Balish, the president of Spencer Pride, and my heart son. <laughs> the, um, the, the grandbabies, um, one of the grandbabies' daddies. 
We asked him to do the ceremony because we had originally planned to get married at World Pride, but because of immigration issues, we had to hurry up. She tells people she's pregnant, but <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so we so we had asked him to do the ceremony. So we told him that we would like to incorporate Susan and Beverly into the ceremony and 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 all that. And he did just an incredible job. Talked about this was n- we were not each other's first love and something about first loves burn bright. N- yes, later and we're the embers. Yeah, this yeah. love is the embers that that continue long after. Right. He just did an incredible job. He quoted from Winnie the Pooh and the Velveteen Rabbit and all I ever learned, need to know I learned in kindergarten. (laughs) It was just fabulous. And he incorporated all of that. He kind of, well, Lucy read her vows and choked him up. So how does it feel, you know, in 40 years, 17 years of just how the world has changed and not changed in some ways is just this relationship of marriage versus you know decades ago of, you yeah. know what does that wow. feel like it really does make a difference in in a feeling to say that you're married in most most cases it's a general general statement that heterosexuals don't understand that they, because it's just like breathing it's like yeah it's we're married blah 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 because it's been so long and an uphill battle for the the gay community, uh, we realize how important it is. And every little gain is such a huge step forward. Right. Like when you I never been checked married at yes, the doctor's office. I was uh, I had my immigration um, medical exam, and on the forms that I had to fill out. I got to the point where it's the your status, marital status. I was able to actually, for the first time, check off married, and it's like, wow. <laughs> we uh, when we talked together, when we did our interview, it was before you got married. Yes, a little so bit before. So I didn't yes. have really the chance to ask you, Lucy. You know, mm-hmm. if it made a difference to you the yes. way you felt about Judy or any of that. Oh, I love her even more. <laughs> and I'm, I, I get to say, my wife, Judy. Yeah, yeah. It does make a difference. Yes. And we, we have had conversations about this, too, because Lucy and her partner were not married. They could have been married in Canada, but it would have put some of her wife's benefits at risk. And so she was actually declared a spouse after her wife died for um, survivor benefits. So it's kind of a... Mm, not necessarily a good thing to have been called a spouse in her case. And um, so now to actually go through the wedding ceremony and everything was much more emotional. And for me to say, I've, this is my second marriage. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> That's just, it's, it's incredible, really. It's, and it does make a difference. You it, know. Do, it makes it a difference in the way... It legitimizes, and I know this sounds corny, but it legitimizes your relationship. It, it's a deeper commitment. You, you can't just walk away from the commitment. 
and other people look at your relationship differently. They do. That just to kind of bring me in. Yes. <laughs> when when I got married, that was the same thing. I I did not think for one second it was going to make a difference. Yeah. I thought I cared about this person. It is what it is. We've been together for twenty years at that point. Right. So we'll just do this for basically, you know, for just Legality, laws and the act. Right. Yes. And then the moment it happened. It just was like it was. It was like this emotion of magic, yeah. just kind of it's like filled a thunderbolt. You. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm the guy. It's kind of like the fun of everything, uh-huh. and I'm like, wow, this was. Right. I didn't expect this. Well, and and on the other, um, uh, on the business side of it, so Lucy to be declared a spouse had to go through, uh, jump through a bunch of hoops to prove they were a couple. Like get affidavits from people that knew them and paperwork that proved that you lived together and this was your relationship. All I had to do was, here's my marriage license. I'm done. Yeah, I just want to say that this is why, basically why we're doing this project now. Now. Because in 10 years, you know, Gay marriage will be like any other marriage. And we hope. We hope. We Trans hope, people served we, in the military, too. But, right, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, who knows? Things can happen. But still, we need to grab this moment yes. for history. Oh, yes. Yes. So that, you know, people in 20 years look back and say, oh, well, we didn't. There was know? a time. And right. these are people yes. telling their stories in real time. Right. Yeah. This happened to you last month, you right. know. Yes. And, and, exactly. it, and it made you feel differently. It made you feel like you belong and right. that you're part of something. And, right. uh, and we all are entitled to that. And while there are places in the world where we are killed for being gay, here we're being, we can be married and celebrated. So it's the, yeah. The, the yin and the yang. Do you have you had issues? You know, when you travel. I mean, I know you guys are newlyweds and all, but I don't know. People have perspe- perceptions of what you know a marriage is and what you know and and being, you know, I don't. We haven't really traveled anywhere since the wedding. We traveled before Beforehand. the the wedding. Right. And we will the travel. Pre-honeymoon. The pre-honeymoon. Yeah, the pre-honeymoon. Yeah, you had a great pre-honeymoon. Yeah, we had a great pre-honeymoon. So yeah. we get two. Was that a pre-honeymoon? That was, yeah. Yes, that, that was January. January. That was, was down the in Florida, right. We didn't get married until March. You were on a boat, right? Yeah, yeah among other yeah. things. We were on two <laughs> boats. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I encourage everyone to look on our Facebook page, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Marriage Equality Heartland, and see the picture of Judy and Lucy <laughs> in their Oh, they and they're parasailing. <laughs> we were parasailing. Yeah, that was. You're fabulous. having more fun than uh, is legally allowed. I think. Well, I, <laughs> I, I had declared that the '70s were going to be my decade of adventure. So Lucy is is. And if she was any younger, me. I'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> She's keeping you busy there. So what's the plans? I mean, do you, what's like the Nick? Do you have like? Because Lucy, you like RV'd, right? That was your thing. Yes. Have, and are I we still, still doing that? No. Judy not right now. That are, are you going to do parked that? in my driveway. Are you going to go? Are you gonna At some um, point. Well, <laughs> we have five dogs. Okay. So well, dogs I can typically travel. don't just up and yeah. take off. However, we have discussed this. that um, <laughs> So Lucy hates snow. And so it proves to her friends that she loves me because she moved where there is snow. But we have talked about going, like, maybe to North Carolina for a couple, two or three of the worst, like January, February, March, right. and um, 
Lucy was a dog nanny in one of her former lives, and a friend of hers in North Carolina owns a boarding and grooming place there and has a lot of acreage. Okay. So we've talked about putting a little camper down on her property and going down there, and we can take the dogs. So we'll get you into a camper. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, another one of my friends said, oh, Lucy has an RV. That means you can go camping. Ooh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't tried it yet, have you? Oh, I used to camp okay. when I was younger. But not with an RV. That's well, a whole I, different tent, world. I started out tent yeah, but camping, that and count. then I moved to a camper, okay, okay. and then I moved to a small mobile home, then a bigger mobile home. Okay. But that's now, not camping. I'm in a house. It started glamping, out. Glamping, glamping. Now I moved to a house on a lake with color TV and hot and cold <laughs> running water. That's my 70s that's version of, of camping. Yeah, but so we probably will do a I want to address camping. something that Frankie said about families. Uh, right after Christmas, my niece and her husband came down to for the day and stayed overnight mm -hmm. and she immediately immediately started calling her aunt judy Aww. 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 and my nephew also considers yeah. her aunt judy yeah but judy has a about her yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well lucy had been telling her why are you calling me aunt lucy now you haven't called me that you just call me lucy you don't have to call her Aunt Judy. I said, leave her alone. <laughs> yeah, leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's sort of the way to say we accept you. Yes, you are yes. family. Yes. You know, right. I mean, what a beautiful. And they brought their dog. Right. There you it's go. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, so it's what a all good. And my brother gave her the thumbs up uh, over the phone. So. Right. <laughs> and she met with Beverly's family. Okay. Oh, so that was that was the uh, tensest of the inquisitions but not in the i'm really scared it was because of the the dynamics of who right. they were right, right. <laughs> two of her nieces her niece and nephew and their spouses and beverly's best friend and her girlfriend so wow. we all met the same week the first week that lucy came to visit that week in october <laughs> you threw you tested and, her good and uh my boy jacob said you know you might scare her off this is a lot yeah, that is. and i said well if she's scared it's over you know, it was nothing right it's not her. <laughs> it was nothing if, she's, she's so if this tough. scares her she's not going to make it uh in my world so, so um i'm sorry we did and and it went fine we've had dinner since then as and well. then of course you're the the queen of spencer pride and so we have a new queen. Are, are you going to be in, as involved with Spencer Pride? Is that something that... Possibly. All right. Possibly. Lucy tells me if my her phone blew up like mine, she'd throw it in the lake. She'd throw it in the lake. <laughs> so, so you got some negotiation. You'll get the camper in, and then you'll have to do the Bloomington Pride, or the, I'm sorry, the Spencer Pride, and try to equalize. <laughs> the, well, right now I'm just happy yeah. that I'm living my happily ever after every single day yeah so will um will you stay in in, in indiana then or oh yes oh yes yes. yes okay my people won't let me leave yes okay. seriously my people none of us won't. will let you leave mm -mm. and then <laughs> our home is is my dream retirement home that i've always dreamed of uh -huh. and i said so hello and i get judy <laughs> <laughs> to, to go with a house on i a never lake. thought about that part a house on a lake five dogs so she's already uh, did you did you not bring any dogs with you or no no, no. okay so were you a dog person prior to this yes. Oh, yes. She's still yeah, trying she to negotiate to be a dog for walker. more. Yeah, well, that's right. You were a nanny. You used to be a dog walker. Nanny. Dog nanny. Dog, dog nanny. nanny. Okay. To Are you still in dogs. business? 
and dogs, no. Oh. Uh, Justin's always looking for something. <laughs> Look at you trying to. <laughs> I have a good dog sitter. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about I can, I can hook you up later. Yeah. I have to have a good dog sitter. I wouldn't be able to I go actually, anywhere. I actually do have a wonderful dog sitter, okay. too. So All right. Just in case. So we only have about two minutes left. What kind of advice would you guys give, you know, to the younger and older listener, listeners out there as far as, I mean, coming out of, you know, the loss that both of you had to to today, I mean. Go for it. Follow your heart. See, I know she would say that. Um, <laughs> I she would it. say <laughs> don't be afraid. Don't be reckless, but mm-hmm. don't be afraid. Right. Because True. there are some people that are out looking for the support on the um, Facebook page and elsewhere who are doing reckless things because they don't know what to do and um, don't be reckless but um, but don't but don't be afraid that's a, that's a balance that's a balance yeah and that's and, and just do it when I right. was you know? when I was right. Ireland's age I never thought that in my lifetime that I would be able to get legally married yeah and wow I feel really incredibly lucky that I'm this age in a time where it's possible for me to get married one you day. Are. So, right. Yeah. Yes, you are. Thanks for paving the way. <laughs> I hope <laughs> even 10 years from now we're, we don't take it for granted. Yeah. That we no, we, we never it. can. Yeah. Well, we're running out of time. I want to thank our guest, Jen ba- Bass. Bass. Ba- thank I did that you. <laughs> you got it. You. <laughs> You're so like, welcome. <laughs> and I'm grateful uh, for Jennifer yes. also for doing this oh. for future Oh, yes. Generations. Because when I was younger, I just craved information like she puts, puts out there. Yes. Well, thank you for that. That's that was beautiful, um, and a thank you to all of our listeners and volunteers um, for everyone for making a WFHB possible. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Pressloff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Our production assistant is Ireland Meacham. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. I'm Ireland Meacham, and I'm Frankie Pressloff. Remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long boring ride good night from your blooming out family you've been listening to blooming out on wfhb blooming out is a product of wfhb's news and public affairs department Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is bloomingout at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening. Well, I really, really like it And even if I don't run rings from